Hello and welcome to the Winning in Work podcast, the career podcast dedicated to making work great again. I'm Nikki Thomas, global career coach, speaker and author. Each week I'll be talking to inspirational, motivational career innovators, motivational coaches and life transformers. Those that are at the top of their game and they love their jobs. To find out their routines, their daily beliefs and how they have achieved success, sometimes against all the odds. Winning in Work is all about helping you achieve your life and career goals and helping you unlock your true potential. Whether you want to find success in your career, find the right career for you, or just enjoy your work again. The Winning in Work podcast is here to prove that your future is whatever you create for yourself. I truly believe that no one should be in a job they hate. And with this podcast, I want to prove to you that you don't have to be. Today's guest is Janine Newbury. Um, So hi, Janine. Welcome. Hi, thank you for having me. Janine's had a fantastic career as a model, a presenter and success coach. So she started her career in the late 90s um, as a presenter on ITV. She has interviewed everyone and anyone from pop stars, DJs, musical artists, snowboarding legends. Um, She has even been on a daredevil motorbike um, where she was uh, working for the dating channel back in the day. She has also been on our screens in TV commercials like Haagen-Dazs. <laughs> and then on top of that, um, in her coaching, she's also been an entrepreneur. She's run many, um, owned many businesses. And then on top of that, she's also been in a couple of films. You've seen Johnny English or Men in Black or MIB last year. And then on top of that, she's also head of marketing for Yes Group. And she runs her own coaching platform where she can definitely tell us a little bit more about it. But look at eat, love and live. Um, Janine, I'll let you give us a little bit more. (laughs) (laughs) After all that, I'm not quite sure where to start. (laughs) You've done everything. (laughs) That's my life, thank you. It's been nice being being here. (laughs) (laughs) So I suppose to start off with, how and why did you get into TV in the late 90s? Well, I think there was a, a little part of me that always wanted to. I, I always wanted to be a model when I was younger. Um, and it, when, when I, I grew up in Bradford in Yorkshire mm. and nobody was a model when I grew up and nobody was on TV. Um, <laughs> and I remember going to the careers advisor at work and uh, at school, we'd see the careers advisor and that's what we wanted to do for our work, work experience. Mm. And I said I wanted to be a model and they, everyone told me, no, it couldn't be done. And I, I did a work experience that it was Midland Bank back then. It's now HSBC. Yeah. They actually offered me a job and I, I turned it down and thought, hmm, I think I'll find my own way. So I got a Yellow Pages because back then we had Yellow Pages. It's before Google existed, really. Mm. Um, and I found a model agency in Leeds, which was the next, uh, a town next door to Bradford. Bradford didn't have any. Um, and I just thought, you know what, I'm just going to go and join it. And at, at that point in time, I was running the admin department for a car firm. I was 20 and I just thought, this is what I want to do. Um, and you know, you've just got to go for it. And everyone said, my parents like, that's not a real job. How are you going to earn money? And everyone was saying, no, you can't do it. And, and I just thought, well, actually, I think I might be able to do it. So I just, I went over, joined a model agency, um, started working with them and then eventually ended up in Manchester, modeling over there. Wow. Um, ended up doing some modeling for a TV show, um, got chatting with some people that were running a nightclub over there and, and they became really good friends of mine. And then this TV series called Clubvision was filming in the nightclub 
and I was I'm a bit, I was a bit cheeky, mm. so I just kind of um, went straight up to the uh, producers and said, uh, as they were filming, in the middle of the filming, I said, I can do this. I gave him my number. I said, if you ever want a new presenter, give me a shout. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> cheeky. Yeah. But I just was always of the mindset, if you don't ask, you don't get. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and that's with anything in life, right? Yeah. Um, anyway, I got a phone call a few months later. I'd completely forgotten about it at this point. And they asked me to come down to London to do an interview. So I hadn't been to London before. I took the train down. Um, and I remember when I got into this audition, they call, it, they call them a casting. Um, and there was this room full of absolutely beautiful brunette models, all stunning. And I was kind of trying to chat to them. I was very northern and mm. very kind of green. Um, and I was asking these girls, oh, have you done TV before or anything like that? And they to be honest, a little bit snooty with me a lot. They were like, oh, yes, I've done it loads. And I thought... Well, I don't have a cat in hell's chance of getting this. So um, I might as well just have a bit of fun and go back. And what an amazing experience to be down and, you know, to have the chance to audition. It's mm. fantastic. I was so excited. I went in, I did the audition um, and they'd give me a script to learn, which I thought was a bit dull. So I kind of rewrote it. <laughs> um, confidence. Confidence. <laughs> that's, that's a bit boring. Um, so I, I delivered the lines, which they recorded, and then they asked me to make something up on the spot. And I remember I said something about, let's go on a roller coaster ride and gash, uh, crash the gates at Gatecrusher tonight, which was one of the clubs up north that mm. I knew of. Um, long story short, I ended up getting it and filming a pilot and moving out to London. And I asked the, um, the producer, I said, what, why, how come I got the job? I thought all these other girls are more experienced than me. And, he, and you know, he said to me, he said, you were the only person that changed the script Everybody else just read it straight off the script and didn't add any personality or anything to it. Mm. And you were the only person that could come up with anything just off the cuff and, the, uh, you know, that had knowledge of clubs outside of London. Wow. And, and he said, and you just, you were just stood out. You were just different. And I was like, oh, that's good to know. So the thing that I thought would hold me back and not get me where I wanted to be was actually what got me the job. Yeah. So, and I think um, the sort of lesson that I got from that is if you just be yourself. And if you're right for that job or that career it will definitely work out for you. And if you're not, then something else will come. And yeah. if, if it doesn't work, at least you give it a go, right? So Absolutely. That's my sort of mindset that. on that. <laughs> so to everyone listening, I've known Janine for a, a few years, um, really good friend of mine. But the reason that Janine and I met was because we met in a coffee shop. And <laughs> we were both at a business boot camp. And um, Janine was standing behind me. And I don't know how we got into a conversation, but I turned around and we just started talking. And since then, we've just stayed in touch. We've yeah. stayed good friends. And I think the main reason for that is because you're so warm and you're just so open. And I think that's probably what has got you to where you are today. Because <laughs> you are. You're just so friendly. And, yeah, you've gotten... And as you say, like there's no sneakiness about you at all. As in, you know, anyone could come up and talk to you. Or you would go up to anyone and talk to them. Yeah. So I think that is definitely... <laughs> selling point thank you you have yeah I could, when you sort of thinking about you changing the script I can so imagine sort of a younger version of you doing that and just going I know I can do this I'm so bold I was like well this is boring and I was thinking I don't speak like that because I didn't because I was northern and it was very kind of the Queen's English and mm. I didn't speak that way so I just said it how I spoke and I think that's like everybody talks now about having an authentic voice and I think I was probably naturally doing that back then and not realizing that's what I was doing Mm, um, definitely. So yeah, just be yourself and don't don't try and fit into a mould um, because you are your own mould. So just be who you are and shine from that space. Is kind of if anyone's you know thinking about doing something and they're worried, just go for it and be who you are.
Yeah, you've got nothing to lose. Absolutely, absolutely. So you're in London, live mm-hmm. in London now. I do. And in a frequent TV spot. Yes. <laughs> what happened next? You've got model, you've started a few businesses. I mean, what got you onto that next step in your life? Well, I guess, um, so I, I ended up moving out to Cape Town for a while because I met a boy and followed him to Cape Town um, for Brilliant. two weeks, as you do. <laughs> for two weeks. <laughs> I was led by my heart, literally. <laughs> for two-week holiday, six months later, I was still there with him. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, yeah, it's pretty, but there's a huge modelling industry out there. And they film so many TV commercials and movies and all kinds of mm. stuff out there. So I could... Uh, so I was able just to join one of the agencies and stay out there. So I was very fortunate. Um, and then I, because I was originally interviewed to do The Big Breakfast just before I met John. That was my, the boyfriend at the time. Wow. Um, so I, I I obviously didn't do that. And I ended up going to follow John. I think Kelly Brook did it instead. Of, instead. So mm. uh, in a way, you could say that she got my job. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Uh, and I followed John. Yeah. She's done all right, hasn't she? Uh, she's done very well for herself. <laughs> yeah, she's done all right. <laughs> I followed love. Um, so instead, I just wanted to travel and see the world. Um, and I, th- I figured I could always come back to London when I wanted to. Yeah. Um, and then when I was out there, I just kind of had a realisation because I was about 27, 28 by this point. And I thought, well, I don't know if I necessarily want to model my whole life. And I'm, I'm quite ambitious and I, I'm quite creative and I want to use my brain and my mind. And modelling's fantastic, but you are pretty much someone else's product and you are in a way, helping someone else fulfill their dream all the time. And you don't really have much say in, you know, the creative process or any of that. Mm. So at first it's quite exciting and it's fun projects and you're traveling. And I've had such a lucky career and I've been able to travel the world, which has been amazing. But it was never mine. Mm. So the pictures are mine in my book and, and that go out there. But I wasn't actually creating something myself and I didn't really feel like I was... Sort of contri- you know, contributing to the world. Like, you know, you can wear it, showing people how to wear cardigans is one thing, but it's not really, it's not really bringing yeah, any great it's not building. It's not building a well. And, and, yeah. And also, I was thinking, well, I want more. I might want to have a family at some point. Yeah. So then I started thinking about business because uh, I think I've always been a natural entrepreneur because I had my first business when I was about eight. Right. <laughs> Doing what? So, because, um, um, you know, I grew up for a working class uh, family in Bradford and, you know, we, we my parents, you know, we, we did okay, but we, we, we didn't have a lot of money, but we, you know, we hmm. did we did quite well. And, and I um, realised quite quickly in life that if I wanted something, I'd have to find a way to make the money to get it myself because hmm. I didn't want to ask my parents because I could see what strain they were under. And I did never want to be in that position of being in that strain financially. So I guess that kind of, I got that kind of drive and fire from being young. So I set up a car cleaning business. Brilliant. <laughs> and I got all the kids on the street, the boys, it's all mainly boys. There's only me and one other girl on the street. So I was kind of like the bossy matriarch of the street because <clears throat> I was a couple of years older than everyone else. And I <laughs> So I basically got a team of all the, all the boys together um, and we'd go around and we knocked on all the houses and we priced up. So it was like a pound for a smaller car, one pound fifty for a medium and two for a bigger car. And we book it and then we got them to give us the hot water and we put the soap in and we had sponges and we went around and washed the cars. So we could wash like wow. two or three cars at a go. And then, you know, we shared the money. <laughs> and that was that. See, when I, I, I had a car cleaning business mm-hmm. when I was younger, but I, it was basically me and my friend, just yeah. two people. Never once would it occur to me to have, got all the kids on the street involved because actually we could have made a lot more money exactly <laughs> that is definitely the business owner in you <laughs> and i had um, and i also did a paper round as well uh, the local store had a paper round because i couldn't get a job i tried to get employment i think it was about 13 14 and i wasn't old enough to be employed anywhere 
apart from, you know, I, I said, oh, you can do a paper round. So I kind of was like, okay. Uh, so this is obviously before the internet and all that, mm. you know, people creating businesses online. I guess it would be a very different story if I was that age then. So I discovered at the paper shop that most of the paper rounds were about 30 papers. And I think you got paid £1.80. And there are two rounds that were next to each other with 18 papers on each round. So I, I, I figured, well, you can put both of them into one bag, get paid double the money, and you're more or less just doing a round anyway. So I did that as well. So I got paid double what everyone else was getting paid. I don't know why she, she didn't think. When, when I left, she actually ended up making that one paper round. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Naughty. <Yeah. laughs> I'm just charging them so, yeah, singularly. So even doing a paper round, I still found a way to double my money and do this pretty much the same amount of work as everybody else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I guess I always thought differently. Yeah. But um, yeah, and I, I've always kind of continued that. So from modelling, I definitely had to, the entrepreneur in me definitely wanted to do more on something that was mine and create something and have have freedom. Because with modelling, you're very much self-employed. If you get ill or you injure yourself, you don't earn any money. Yeah. So you need to have something that's consistent. And if I wanted to take some time out, then I'd need to have some money bringing something in. So that's what kind of drove me to start looking at businesses. And I read a book called Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Yep. By Robert Kiyosaki. Brilliant um, book. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then I was reading about different, you know, revenue streams and properties. So I started investing in properties. I came back to England. I broke up with my boyfriend at the time, John. Um, I was heartbroken and I poured all that heartbreak into creating a business. So I, um, I bought um, a sort of a, pop, a portfolio of houses I built up, um, up north, like small sort of cheaper houses I rented out, flipped a few for some cash. Um, and then I ended up buying my first um, apartment in London. It must be 14 years ago now. Wow. Yeah, and I used the money um, that I made from doing the properties to use as a deposit to buy that. So it was, and then I, and, and I, and then I kind of wanted to do more than that. And um, so I've always been fascinated with property, but then I wanted to run some businesses. So I set up a cleaning business. Um, and I learned from that. <laughs> uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> not to do a business that you're not passionate about and not to do a business that's not your core skills. Mm. I don't particularly like speaking on the phone. I love speaking face to face. I'm very visual and very kinesthetic. I don't, um, I don't know if, you, if your listeners know about sort of subnodalities. Sub, sub I can't even speak today. Um, so you've, um, some people are more visual. Some people are, are more auditory. Yeah. Some people are more kinesthetic. So if you're if so if you're kinesthetic, you're probably good with sound, music on the phone. Your your strength is listening. Mm-hmm. And if you're visual, obviously being you want to see things. It's visual. You might be creative visually. And if you're kinesthetic, you're good when you're working around people and in that environment. So I was definitely visual and kinesthetic. So the cleaning business was on the phone, so it's very auditory. So it helped me improve that skill, but I hated it. I absolutely hated speaking on the phone. I wanted to speak wow. to people face to face. And also I, I learned how to manage people, but managing people um, at that kind of level, managing cleaners, it proved to be a bit of a nightmare. It, it taught me a lot about running a business and managing people. Like people would just not turn up and not inform me. And um, people that own their homes would be very precious about silly things yeah. and it just taught me that I'm not passionate enough about this and I'm not making big enough mar- margins per customer for this to um, you know be okay to cause me this kind of much stress and hassle mm. so I, I had to I started to wind it down let, I started to let customers go and I eventually just sold it to another lady who owned a cleaning business we had a, a Christmas lunch together and her daughter wanted to set up um, 
a cleaning agent says, well, you can have mine. So I sold her it for next to nothing. <laughs> Literally just a few thousand pounds and you can have it. Wow. <laughs> so Merry Christmas. Yeah. Just to get rid of it. And it was fantastic. It was the best thing I ever did. So I think, try things out. Mm. And if it doesn't work, just like work out why, why does this not work? Is it because it doesn't suit me? Um, and, and let it go. Yeah. Just let things go and move on. I mean, that's a big, that's a big jump to just sell your business because, I mean, I suppose exactly the same as when you're, when you're waiting on work from modeling and presenting, you never know when the next piece of work's coming in. Yeah. How do you deal with that sort of (laughs) stress? Because, I mean, you're really, really, like really smart in terms of you've got your properties and that is your security, I suppose, in a way, but it's still a real risky business. It is. Um, And I, I think, um, some people are more comfortable with uncertainty than others. Um, mm. Some people are more high risk, you know, and some are more low risk. I would say that I probably fall in the high risk camp yep. and I'm more comfortable with uncertainty. So hence why doing a job where you don't know if you're going to work the next day, week, month or not is I'm, I'm OK with that because mm. I, I think I could I can if it's not working, I'll find a way to create the money and what I need in a business or whatever. Um, <laughs> That's a great way to look at life. <laughs> you just don't know, do you? Whereas some people want that kind of, that job security. They want to know they've got a regular amount coming in each month. And that's cool. There's no wrong or right. You are. Yeah. And I think it's really good to know that about yourself as well. Because if you do want that kind of security, you probably shouldn't go into something that's a sort of un- uncertainty kind of area, like, you know, being self-employed and not knowing when the people are coming in. So, you know, you can have your own business and and, and, and set it up, but you probably want to structure it in a way where you do have regular income coming in. So if I was uh, coaching someone who was more security driven, I'd probably encourage them to create a membership model or something that creates a regular, you know, repeat customer base and something that comes in every month so that they feel like they've got that kind of um, certainty and security mm. and they can go on and do creative stuff in other ways. So it's, it's, it's up, you must really know that about yourself. And that's, I guess that's just part of, part of life and trying things out really. And once mm. you know what works for you and what makes you happy, because if, um, if being in that in sort of uncertainty and wanting, you know, getting that sale or, or the excitement or the adrenaline is what makes you happy, then work with something that does that and brings you that. And if the security side of it is what you need to feel happy and safe and secure, then do something that creates that for you. Because whatever it is you're doing, you've just got to be happy. Yeah. I think that's the key for, to anything. I was asked myself, is this fun? Am I enjoying it? Is it making me happy? And if it's not, it's got to go. So what is it that's keeping you happy right now? Oh, that's the thing. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking to you right now is making me pretty happy. Perfect. Yay! <laughs> uh, so um, I'm really loving working with the S Group at the moment. Yep. That's really fun. Um, the, for those who don't know what the S Group is, it's one of the biggest... Um, communities, uh, personal development communities and events companies. It's been going for about 26 years and I am running all their marketing. We're head of marketing for them at the moment. We just did a really fun event uh, for a goal setting workshop uh, 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 to start off the new year, which was fantastic. And we've got an event and we've got Dr. John Martini next month, who's a very big name for people that know about people in the personal development world. Yeah. He's a bit like the Brad Pitt of personal development you could think of at that sort of level, like an A-lister. <laughs> he definitely does have the look. He does, yeah. <laughs> I will pass it on to him. <laughs> oh, no, no, I can't um, go. <laughs> damn. Um, so that's really but, fun because yeah. um, I love like a new project mm-hmm. and something that's exciting and a challenge. Also, my new project, the Eat, Love, Do, um, which will be launched um, a little bit later this year, which is quite exciting, which is an online and offline uh, platform for people that want to 
better better their lives in some way and learn mm. and educate themselves. So it will be in each area of life. So eat will cover nutrition, recipes, what you consume, basically, your nutrition that you put into your body and, and to take care of yourself. So we'll have a wealth of experts in those areas teaching you, um, you know, anything and everything, you know, the best of the best in those areas. We'll have a, um, a, a blog um, on that. We'll have online courses and we'll have uh, uh, people running their own workshops and things like that. And we're promoting that. So that would be great for the, um, you know, the people, the visitors. And it's also great for people, coaches and people out there that are, you know, delivering great content because we're creating a platform for them to deliver it as well. And love is covering the, you know, love relationships, but also the love for yourself, taking care of yourself, um, you know, from meditation to, um, you know, just make, making choices from a place of love and, and choosing a career and, and a lifestyle that you actually really love. And the do covers what you do, like day to day do. So that, Sorry, I got that totally wrong earlier. <laughs> right. No, it's fine, live, it's fine. But live, do, yes, absolutely. <laughs> and do will cover like relate. Um, you know, career, business, lifestyle, what you actually do day yeah. to day. So it's quite exciting because I'm multi-passionate and I, for quite a while, I sort of pro procrastinated a little while in, in setting this up because I couldn't quite decide what niche to do my sort of bigger uh, coaching platform on because, you, you know, everyone's like, you should niche everything down and do everything. But I'm a multi-passionate person. I've studied in lots of different areas. So I was like, I don't want to just choose one. So this is really suits my personality because it, it for me, it's it's... It's kind of it's so so diverse and it covers all the areas that I am passionate about, but I'm not overloading myself when needing to create all the works so and bringing everyone in and I'm constantly learning and evolving and it's just fantastic. So I'm very excited about this project. Yeah, it sounds amazing. Yes, absolutely cute. amazing. And I think that's it, is that there's so many different parts to it and you've got to be happy. When we talk about happiness, it's you can be happy in, say, your career, but if the other areas such as what you're eating, your health, um, you know, and and your personal relationships, and that's not that's just not that's not just love. It's you know your relationship with your family, your relationship with your friends. If that starts falling down, then then that will really ruin your happiness. Really, like it, you can't just be happy in one area. You have to be happy in all these areas. Absolutely. Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, it will it it kind of affects one thing affects everything else, doesn't it? Absolutely, and I think that's one of the reasons I wanted to set something up that was like almost like a three sixty covers everything mm -hmm. because I think a lot, a lot of people do focus on just one area in life that they may be really good at business and, and creating money and wealth but the health is impacted in a negative way or their relationships are not great yeah. and I think you you know and as as cheesy as this might sound you can have it all you know you can I think and I think you should work on each area of your life and having goals um set up you know like little mini goals or micro goals mm. for, for your year or your 90 days so you're working at, you know little ones on each area of your life maybe have one or two bigger goals that work towards your dreams um so i highlight like one you know sort of your big juicy exciting goal which is you know going to be life-changing and you can set out a map to sort of work towards that but i think you need little mini goals to take care of yourself even if it's just things like drinking water every day mm. going for a walk connecting to a friend and making choices that actually do make you happy and not because you think this is what you ought to do in order to look or be a certain way or, or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. So we talk about all the successes. Yes. <laughs> and obviously we said about the cleaning business and you selling it off. Is there anything that's happened in your life, in your career, that just hasn't gone right? Where you've just gone, what am I going to do now? Yeah, well, obviously the cleaning business did that. Um, and even on the property side, I've 
some of my houses, um, I bought because I bought houses up north, um, and they're sort of smaller houses, so cheaper houses, cheaper rents, and some of them just got absolutely trashed, trashed by tenants, and oh. I left them to be looked after by, um, you know, agents, letting agents that would take care of them, um, and I just kind of let that go and just trusted that they would take care of it and kind of took a bit of a hands-off approach. Um, and what I learned from that is that you kind of need to a little bit, you need to be more involved and you need to keep an eye on it mm. and, you know, really make sure that you're on it and, um, and if and, and see quickly if something's not working and why and making sure that people are keep, you know, if it's a property thing, keep, you know, um, they are treating your properties well. And otherwise, and I ended up um, sort of losing money on a few properties, which taught me wow. a, a big valuable lesson. So I had to sell them at, at negative equity, um, whereas, you know, and that was huge. I think really in life that what I've always learned the most when I've, when I've had, you know, what people would call failures, because that's, for me, that's when I think I, I kick in and my sort of ability to sort of problem solve and find ways around things to solve stuff kicks in. I quite like that. I think I'm a little bit on the adrenaline side of that. Adrenaline <laughs> <laughs> junkie. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think, and I'm a little bit weird and I think that's great because then it, you have, you're forced to find a way to find a solution. Mm. Um, and when I, because uh, I went out to live in Bali for a while and this all sort of happened around this time. My parents passed away Um I decided to go live in Bali and just sort of drop everything for about six months. And I was still doing some coaching and things mm. when I was out there. Then I, and when I was about to come back, I had a, a, a motorbike and a, and a surfing and a motorbike accident, two accidents within three weeks and ripped my knee and my shoulders to pieces, mm. um, which left me unable to sort of walk or work or do very much for about a year and a half. Um, and that, you know, that was a massive thing to go through. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, I, my, I, it, it was a really interesting experience. My whole body, like um, I couldn't really walk, so I had muscle atrophy, so my muscles wasted away. My body became covered in cellulite, all my body, um, because if you can't walk, your lymphatic system slows down, so obviously that creates cellulite. Mm. I gained weight. I went up about two dress sizes, which as a model and a woman is, you know, as yeah. you can imagine, it's quite devastating, really. My whole career and life had been on, and I was very fit and active. I've gone to the gym my whole life for 20-odd years. I love exercise. It's kind of who I see myself as and part of my identity and what mm. I do, what just makes me happy. You know, I love exercise and taking care of myself. I love eating healthily. Um, and to, to have all that kind of taken away from you and to not even be able to walk or exercise and kind of almost hit like a, a depression. And that was probably one of the lowest points in my life. So I'd lost both my parents. I actually lost a baby as well. Oh. And I went to Bali and lost, and lost my, lost my body in a way, lost my legs, yeah. lost my body. Um, and I had to kind of go through all of that. And when you've been through something so sort of dark in a way, you you realise how strong and resilient you are and you have to find something else within you, something deeper that you that um, that I think I may not have even known was there had I not gone through that. Um, and it and for me it just built me to be so much stronger and so much wiser and and sort of change and shift my focus a little bit on what's important in life and <clears throat> taking care of myself in a different way and being a bit gentler on myself as well. Mm. Um, and it and to sort of how to rebuild your life again. Because I, in essence, I'd start again and rebuild my life. And um, yeah, that was probably one of the sort of lowest points, really. Yeah. yeah. I mean I met you just uh, when you were back on your feet again but you were still yeah. in quite a bit of pain I think from, yeah, yeah yeah I was what 
I mean, what pushed you through? As you say, there is there is a darker sort of you have to go more into yourself. But what's what? Why? Why did you keep going? What? I think sheer will and sheer stubbornness, probably. <laughs> <laughs> I was told by doctors that I wouldn't like really be able to, I wouldn't have they call full flexion and extension in my leg, which may, means to be able to straighten and bend it again properly, mm. um, that I wouldn't really be able to dance in heels, I wouldn't be able to ski again, I wouldn't be able to exercise the way I wanted to. Um, like my whole life I've been told what I can't do by other people, putting their sort of limiting beliefs on me. And I remember since, and, it, and also I was in my 40s at this point and the doctor said to me, you'll also be carrying a bit of extra weight now because you're in your 40s. <laughs> and I remember looking at the doctor going, Really? I went, we'll see. And he just sort of looked, I think he thought I was deluded or something and sort of looked, looked at me in disbelief and I just walked out. And then um, so I was like, shuffled out. <laughs> yes, yes, more of a shuffle, yeah. <laughs> Crying, whimpered out. <laughs> and I thought, I am not, he, does, he doesn't know me. It's maybe that might be what the average person will settle for. And because they've been told that, that's what they believe, which is, you know, quite scary in a way. So yeah. they call that um, it's a placebo, don't they? It's a negative placebo. Um, and I thought, no, that's not, I don't believe that. I I I um I believe that this is my body and I can heal it and make myself strong again and I will push myself to to work out what my boundaries and limits are now. Maybe they'll be slightly less than before, but I'll work out what they are. I, I'm not going to let someone else tell me. So I was in the gym every day. I did physio. They wanted me to do physio once a week. I did it uh, three or four times a week. I was in the gym every day. Um I would be kneeling in the gym because I had all this scar tissue. I'd have an operation on my knee, I had a scar tissue. And just to try and bend my knee, it was so painful. But there's a different kind of pain. You know, when there's a pain, you, you, when, when you're in pain, you learn about pain. So that, I, I, I sort of very quickly learned that the difference between the pain that was sort of damaging and pulling on my ligament and the yeah. pain that was just a scar tissue, which was still excruciating, but it was a different pain. And until you've, unless you've had that, anyone who's had sort of major knee injuries and things, I'm sure they'll understand what I'm saying. And... Um, so I learned which was a different kind of pain. So whilst it was still excruciating, I knew which was the good pain and which was the bad pain. Mm. So I'd be in the gym and I'd be bent, just trying, sort of trying to kneel up and trying to bend my, my knee a little bit and literally tears would be coming down my face because oh, it was so gosh. painful. Yeah. And every, people would be looking at me in the gym going, what's going on over there? Uh, but every day I would do it. And my goal was just to be able to bend my knee enough just because it was it, my knee, my leg healed straight and I couldn't bend my knee so I can do things like sit in a chair, go to loo, walk up and down a staircase. I couldn't do these things. So I'm, my first goal was just to be able to bend my knee enough so I could sit on the loo and I could sit in a chair, right? Which you, it makes you, it made me realise all the things that you just take for granted, like just walking. I became obsessed with watching people walking and how the mechanics of their legs worked. Um, <laughs> just simple things. <laughs> I just have visions of, you know, Kill Bill when she's like, you just yeah. need to move that one toe. Yeah, yeah, it was like that. Just bend that one knee. <laughs> um and I did it and then I and I strengthened my leg and I was also I did like I qualified as a personal trainer years ago which obviously really helped as well so I knew about the mod body and the muscles um and I trained for 20 odd years so I kind of knew how to train which yeah. I think really helped um so I pushed myself and then you know and I and within and I put myself on you know an eating plan and I dropped in 16 weeks I dropped the um, you know the two dress sizes down which I was told I wouldn't be able to do. Yep. <laughs> I strengthened my leg. I went skiing. I have danced in heels. In fact, I've been skiing a few times now. Um, yay. <laughs> I've danced in heels. I went and put little heels on today, yep. actually. And uh, I'm like, in your face, doctor, no, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, I don't, I think it's, you should be really careful and mindful of 
people putting their limiting beliefs on you. And sometimes we believe people are in place of authority, like a doctor or someone else, or even just parents or people around us in our peer group. Um, sometimes you, and you, I think you have to go inside and ask yourself, is this really true for me or is this their truth? Because often people are projecting their own truth onto you because they don't believe it's often, um, you know, that, that they're able to do it yeah. or they they don't believe other people can do it, so therefore you can't. And I think you have to ask yourself, what's really true for me? And and, and go out and do it yourself and don't let anyone else hold you back from doing what you want to do. Yeah. If I'd listened to everyone else my whole life telling me that I couldn't do this and I couldn't do that, I'd still be in Bradford right now and, and I wouldn't have done any of these things in my life that I'd gone out and done. And, you know, I could have missed out on such amazing opportunities and the happiness that, that I've, I've had and I've created. It's not been given to me, I've created it, you know? Yeah. And I think... Um, anyone's possible. Any, it's possible to create anything that you want in your life, but you just need to believe in yourself. And I think confidence comes from taking action. So the more action you take on things, the more confident you become. Yeah, I think that's it. And I think it is. It's taking risks. It's doing yeah. all the things that you know. That I guess other the difference between people that that have these huge careers that have that have all these amazing experiences is just because they've put themselves out there to have those experiences. They won't always be, you know, there'll always be some setbacks along the way, but... They always will. And I think yeah. pe people always look at the people with a huge career, because so you said that then, and they look at them at that end result of having to create something huge, like a Steve Jobs or Beyonce or whoever, mm. whoever you're looking up to, Oprah, whoever that might be. But what you've got to remember is those people started small. They started with a few, you know, like Beyonce had to release her first, first track, her first, yeah. you know, single. She probably had to audition. She was in a group first. Um, Oprah started off doing, you know, um, little TV things, doing um, like presenting. I think she was a newscaster or something like that. I can't quite remember. She got fired at twenty three, didn't yeah, she, or yeah. something? Exactly. <laughs> so, the, and you know, they didn't just they weren't just an overnight success. It wasn't just handed to them. Mm. They've worked their way, and a lot of it's about hard work and dedication and belief in, in yourself. And the more you do, the more you believe. Like, um, it, you know, some people are born with certain skills, but I think you can learn a lot of the skills, and it comes from mastery which comes from practice and doing something over and over again definitely like look at michael jordan he's a great example of that he was told that you know he'd be no good at playing basketball uh, he was terrible <laughs> at it yeah. and then he just practiced and practiced and practiced and became one of the best in the world yeah and he's an amazing businessman as well yeah absolutely brilliant so question for you yes <laughs> <laughs> do you think you found your why in life um do you know, that's always uh, changing and growing and evolving for me. But I think my one this year... Mm. <laughs> Your 2020. I, it's, it's my 2020, <laughs> 2020 vision, literally. <laughs> um, is I think my biggest why is... Um, because I, I, th I think it's wanting to help people just have that belief in themselves and go out and create what they want in the world because that's that's what's been the difference that's made the difference to me and in my life. Mm. Um, and... I think I do this because I, I, I couldn't be any other way. I couldn't think of, I couldn't live a life that's uh, substandard and and not um, go out and create what I want in my world in the world. And I I truly believe that anyone is capable of creating the life that they'd like to create, and they just need to believe in themselves. And I, it, I like I feel it really sort of pains me, and I feel really passionate when I hear people saying, "Oh, I'd love to do that, but I don't think I ever could." Yeah. And we, oh, I'd love to do that, but I don't know how. Or I'd love to go on that holiday, but I can't afford to go on that holiday. And I just, and I just think you can actually create 
circumstances in your life and businesses or as you know create a new peer group or people to help you and support you and you can actually create that life that you want for yourself and you know and take care of yourself more and you know there's you know uh, if you want to lose a bit of extra weight you can do it you can actually do all of these things and I just want to help people understand that they can do it and get them get them to know how to do it from that place in their heart and that authenticity so I guess my why is I want to I want to, and this might sound a bit trite, but I just want to spread more love in the world, really. I guess that's the essence of what it is. I want people to teach people to love themselves because I think a lot of people don't. Yeah. And they've sort of forgotten how to and they put putting other people first or their children first or their spouse or anyone other than themselves first and they've forgotten how to love themselves. And I think I want to re-teach people how to love themselves and walk forward in their life from that place of love. What's the one tip, if you could give to anyone, the one tip to love yourself? Um, I think... I think you, t- to love yourself, you've got to focus on... I think you've got to be really real about, you know, where you are and to focus on being truly grateful. I think gratitude is one of the fastest ways to get to, to love. Um, so, be, you know... Just be really grateful about who you are and be really real. And because I think some people can kind of brush under the carpet some of the achievements, the things that they've done in their life. Mm. Like you might get a woman who says, well, I'm only a mum, I haven't done much. But yes. God, that's a massive undertaking in this world. You have formed, you've created a human being. You are developing this this little person's personality, life. And that is massive. Um, or you, you might you know, take care of your family with so much love um, and you should be proud of that. Or you might be, you know, someone who's created a business that does amazing things in the world. Or it, it almost doesn't matter. I think too much emphasis is put on success, that unless you're successful, you're not good enough. And I think people need to re-remember that you are good enough. Who you are is enough. You are worthy of love, of receiving and giving it. You are enough. And, and and just I don't know I think people maybe need to remember that about themselves and it's maybe just when was the last time you know you sat down and said to yourself do you know what I, I love myself I'm pretty awesome mm. maybe just every day look in the mirror or just remind yourself that you're enough and you you are loved and you're enough I think just tell yourself that every day that's really lovely mm. And you're enough. You are enough. <laughs> Thank you. You are enough. <laughs> so let's round up as we're coming to the end of the podcast. Mm-hmm. How can people find out more about you? How can they find you in this web of social media that we have these <laughs> days? Feel free to stalk me. Um, <laughs> um, I'm pretty much, yeah, yeah, constantly. Um, on, I'm pretty much on all the social media platforms, really. <laughs> Uh, I'm on Facebook, uh, Twitter, uh, LinkedIn, uh, Instagram. I'm even having a little go on TikTok, although I'm not. I'm, I'm just working that out. I'm not quite sure about TikTok at the moment. I've got to be honest. It's sort the of next fun, big thing. I'm not sure if I get it right now. <laughs> I'm really honest. Because but, you're not ten. Uh, yeah. But yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I'm on all all the social media platforms as Janine Newberry, which is uh, my name. Uh, Newberry Spotlight Strawberry. 
not, I'm not dead and buried yet. Um, and also look out for eatlovedo.com, which will be launched later this year. And there will also be a Facebook and social media uh, accounts on that, which are just being set up as we speak, or as I speak, literally right now. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, Janine. It's great. Pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. This episode has been produced by Podcast Syndicator. To find out more about Podcast Syndicator, go to www.podcastsyndicator.com.